this will be an insight into the way I think because I like to think about things pretty simply. Learn about something that interests you in the organization. Make a phone call, show up at a meeting. Raise your hand. When someone asks for something to get done, raise your hand. Join something. Join a committee. Join a volunteer day. And then when you raise your hand because someone asks for something to get done, do what you say you're going to do. And therefore, you get qualified as a doer. Something I like to talk about because it's it just driven my career. Once you get qualified as a doer, you will never be I have to ask anyone again. That was my path. And again, it sounds sort of pedantic and simple. Show up, raise your hand, do what you say you're going to do. People will come after you. Hello and welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council. From deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. Today I'll be chatting with 2023 Trek Chair Trey Morsback of JLL Capital Markets as we preview the year ahead and get to know him a little bit better. I didn't know Trey all that well previously, so getting to talk to him one-on-one was definitely a treat for me, and I'm really looking forward to working with him and the rest of our board members this year. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe to the show to get all new episodes right to your mobile device, and follow us on social media for the latest news and updates from around the Real Estate Council. Now, here's my talk with Trey Morsback, our 2023 Trek Chair, right here on TrackCast. Trey, Mr. Chairman, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and chat with me today. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fabulous. Glad to be here. Great. Yeah, thanks Thanks again. Uh, to start, I'd like to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners and some of our members that may not know you uh, personally. So please tell us a bit about who you are and the kind of work that you do. Uh, where to begin? Um, I have a pretty short and I would dare say boring story. I'll go back. Maybe some folks would be interested in my personal background. Native Dalsite, uh, grew up here, uh, graduated from Dallas Jesuit, uh, where I was fortunate enough to actually serve on the board for a number of years afterward, which was sort of a, a fun thing for me to do. Uh, went on to Texas A&M, so stayed in Texas. Uh, graduated A&M, which is where, by the way, I met my wife. Um, graduated in the early 90s, came back to Dallas, uh, got involved in the real estate business. I'll get back to the, the career progression here in a second, but to the family. Married for 26 years, two fabulous kids, both at Texas A&M. So uh, we're, uh, we're all four of us are Texas A&M family. The full Aggie family. Full Aggie family, <laughs> yeah. Senior son and sophomore daughter. Oh, that's great. Um, and so sort of pretty much fills out the sort of family background part. Um, uh, loved being a native Dallas site. So many folks are not from Dallas. We've grown so much as a city, so it's fun to sort of be able to say you're, you're from here. Um, it's a great, great place to be, great place to raise a family. Uh, to my career, I got out in the early 90s, and anyone that knows anything about the early 90s, I was a real estate finance major. Real estate finance, real estate and banking were four-letter words uh, in the early 90s. Anyone that remembers the RTC, RTC days and the SNL crisis, but it was where my passion was. Uh, incredibly fortunate at the time. I actually do believe in serendipity, and it certainly was that. Really fortunate to start, get lucky, and get a job at a bank, at Guarantee Federal Bank. Um, ended up being a prolific commercial estate lending institution, which is really where I started my real estate career. So early 90s at Guarantee Federal Bank, had some great teammates there, great mentor, uh, was fortunate enough to be introduced to HFF, which is now JLL, my current form, firm, 
Uh, I've been there for now 24 years, so two jobs, both here in Dallas. Uh, quick soundbite on what I do at JLL. Uh, for the last, I'm a, I'm a, we're all player coaches, so my day job is to take care of clients and still transact. I'm on our debt and equity uh, placement group. Uh, I also have responsibility, or did for the last 12 years, to co-run our Dallas business with a great partner of mine, Andrew Levy. Um, I turned that over to some more able people last year, and I'm uh, now responsible for our national debt platform. So I'm co-head of our national debt business for all of JLL and continue to take care of clients. So last year, you were part of our executive committee as vice chair uh, under Kim Butler and chair of Trek Community Investors. Uh, from your vantage point, how would you assess the state of the Real Estate Council as you step into the chairman's position? Yeah, so as I think a few folks know, I've got a long history with Trek, but what may, many may not know is after spending a lot of years of service, which I love, I took a bit of a Trek sabbatical. So uh, my entry last year back into Trek CI chair was after that sabbatical, so I was a little less informed about the organization than it might otherwise have been, and I was blown away quite honestly. Yeah, it's um, a big jump in that time. Big jump. It was, sure. it was quite remarkable and it was a great organization in my prior years of involvement. But the scope and breadth of what we offer to our members, the quality of the folks and staff, the quality of the leadership organization, how well we're positioned from a P&L and balance sheet perspective, which is obviously important for a healthy organization. Um, the impact we now have in the city through DCP and other things, I know we'll talk more about that, really surprised me. Um, and more than anything, the scope and breadth had gotten so extensive that it actually led to me to think about where I want to focus on from a goals perspective to this year, which we'll, we'll get into here in a minute. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so you've been a track member and leader, um, you know, for essentially the last... Can we say forever? Forever. It feels that way. The yes. last forever. Yes. Um, can you kind of, and you kind of have already gone into this already, why have you continued to be a part of the real estate council for all these years, what what keeps you coming back? You mentioned the sabbatical. Um, what what is it that brought you back? Yeah, there was nothing that made me leave, um, okay. other than other interests and where I needed to focus my time. It 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 has always been. Um, I've always been drawn to Trek for a lot of reasons. Most notably, I believe it's the best organization for our industry in the city. I believe it houses the most interesting and impactful people in our industry. In other words, I think we have the best membership. So. What, and if you look at what it's been able to accomplish and the current impact that it has and what I perceive where we could go from an impact perspective, it's hard not to want to be a part of that. So if you can be part of something that puts you together with great, very interesting, impactful people that's well-run, well-organized, delivers great value add, and you could be part of it as a member, part of it as a leader, what's not to like? So, uh, And that plus the fact that some people that I really like and respect called and asked me if I would come back uh, and, and serve, which I was happy to do. Well, that's great. We're certainly happy and very lucky to have you back on board. Um, a couple days ago, we had our first major event of the year, our first speaker series. And then a couple hours later, uh, we were back in a meeting room having our board orientation. Um, what are some of your priorities this year as chairman? Uh, how would you like to see the organization continue to grow uh, as the year unfolds? Yeah, and I'm glad you referenced it because uh, it has been quite a trek week for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it has we, been. We had our, uh, our our Bank of Texas uh, luncheon series two uh, yes Monday, um, and then we had a our kickoff board meeting, which I thought was fabulous. It was our combined board, which we had a bunch of good friends of mine and, and new friends of mine there. And and I to your question, 
I shared some of these thought process that evening, and I'll share it again for the purposes of this, this setting. Like anyone, when they step into a leadership situation, I suspect like most, as they step into a leadership organization, they want to create impact and they want to probably be dynamic about it and create change and do all these fabulous things. Um, and I was no different. So I was ambitious and I thought about what we needed to do and how I could impact, positively impact the organization. As I learned through Trek CI last year, and as I distilled it down really over the holidays thinking about this year, I went back to basics because I think that's what we need. And at least it's where I perceive the goals to be. Um, and what I mean by basics, that means education, which leads to engagement. And ultimately, once you educate, it leads to engagement, it leads to more impact and more value add to our members, but also, also to the community. So it's the continuum. It's sort of the order of operations. It sounds simple, really hard to execute. Uh, this came to light for me sitting in Trek CI board meetings last year, and again, after my sabbatical, so I was a bit breathing through a fire hose um, to try to get back up to speed. We're doing so much in this organization, and we have so much impact to, to do, and frankly, untapped potential, that I believe part of that is we have a big constituent of our members that don't know all what we do. And they don't know how best to engage. And if we educate them on it and get them inspired and lead them to education, we could truly harness what I believe to be the first time all 2,000 plus members. And if we're able to do that, and that's ambitious, then our impact in the city, the impact those individuals will have, their takeaway value, and frankly, the value add that they get from this organization will be enhanced. So went from super ambitious to blocking and tackling, and hopefully we can accomplish that this year. Yeah, um, it's interesting you mentioned the engagement piece. That's a, a major focus point um, for us as, as a staff and the boards that we've had the last couple of years. Um, just getting people on board and particularly how we align our new members to the parts of the organization that sort of best fit their interests and their skill sets. Um, what advice would you give to new members who are just sort of trying to figure out where they fit um, and, and where they can plug in. 100%. I, I love the question because I get the question about the industry. I get the question about our own firm. I get the question as relates to a lot of things. Um, and this will be an insight into the way I think because I like to think about things pretty simply. Learn about something that interests you in the organization. Make a phone call. Show up at a meeting. Raise your hand. When someone asks for something to get done, raise your hand. Join something, join a committee, join a volunteer day. And then when you raise your hand, because someone asked for something to get done, do what you say you're going to do. And therefore you get qualified as a doer. Something I like to talk about because it's it just driven my career. Once you get qualified as a doer, you will never be, I have to ask anyone again. That was my path. And again, it sounds sort of pedantic and simple. Show up, raise your hand, do what you say you're going to do. People will come after you. And I, I got that advice. I did that. I joined the membership committee. I did what I said I was going to do, I guess, probably average. I was asked to chair the membership committee. I mean, it was well enough that they asked you Apparently to. Apparently so, or no one else was willing to do the for job. more involvement. Uh, similarly, I joined Fight Night Committee for a couple of years. I did what I said I was going to do. They asked me to chair Fight Night. Same thing with back then Fall Gala, Doers and Dreamers. So it's just not a, it's not a difficult formula. The execution's hard. So raise your hand, do what you say you're going to do, show some passion, show some interest. You'll never have to ask again. We'll get back to my conversation with Trey in just a minute, but first I want to let you know that registration is now open for our March 8th Market Matters event on the state of the office market. 
The office environment has become a hot topic as companies decide whether to continue remote work or send their employees back to the office. Our expert panel will discuss the current state of the market and what the future holds for this very important sector of the commercial real estate industry. The conversation will be moderated by DCEO editor Christine Perez and feature Michael Dardick, CEO of Granite Properties, and Adam Sapphire, president of Eastern Operations for Trammel Crow Company. We'd like to recognize our sponsors, Grant Thornton and DCEO, and thank them for their support of Market Matters. Get your tickets now at recouncil.com backslash upcoming dash events. That's recouncil.com backslash upcoming dash events. Now, back to the show. To shift gears a little bit, there's a lot of talk throughout our organization in terms of planning, but also throughout, you know, just the, the other sectors of the economy about, you know, are we going to hit a recession this year? Are we already in a recession and don't know about it? Um, certainly tech has has been proactive in um, preparing for, you know, the worst and even beyond that. Um, how does that you know, the, the recession conversation impact what we're planning on doing for this year, if at all? It's another, it's a great question. And I can tell you some things that I thought about and, and I'll conclude with, with that, but maybe a quick anecdote, which I think it's just, just hit me. I think it's, it's interesting. I was asked to chair fall gala, which was an event that most of you know that have been around a while. And, um, anyone that knows the process, you typically get asked a couple years ahead of time to chair the event. And I was fortunate enough to chair in 2009. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so I have some relevant Trek experience in enduring down cycles in the commercial real estate space. So selling tables and sponsorships in 2009 was, was an interesting. But truth be told, we had a great event because this community comes and rallies around these things, and it was fabulous. Um, so just an interesting anecdote. So as we relate to this year, top of mind, uh, I in, introduced myself as being in the capital markets business. I'm, I'm quite fluid and understand what's going on in these markets. Um, so one of the first things I did in the fall of last year in preparation is I sat down with staff and Linda to understand the, the organization from a P&L financial stability balance sheet perspective. Like how well organized are we? How good is the staff? Are we staffed properly? Are we, have a, are we positioned to succeed in a challenging market was my analysis. And it shouldn't surprise anyone listening that we're incredibly well positioned. It has been very well run. We have the proverbial rainy day concept handled from a financial viability perspective. So what what it led me to believe was we can go on offense. You know, we can be more impactful in a market that could be more disrupted as an organization. And leading into the comment you mentioned earlier about our board meeting earlier this week, that was a question we challenged the board to ask. We said, how can we position ourselves to be more impactful to the industry if perhaps we get into a down draft or down cycle or recession. And I think we're incredibly well positioned. I don't have all the answers on how to do that. We're going to take some feedback from the board feedback and we're going to hopefully solve that. But it won't be from a lack of being positioned properly or having been thoughtful around the financial performance of the organization to where we're ready for this. Um, And I believe the strength of our membership, the commitment of our membership is extraordinary. And regardless of what the next 12 or 24 months will lay out, I believe we'll have the support of our industry to continue to do what we do and probably tip the scales and actually may may add more impact. So later on this year, we'll be wrapping up the inaugural Dallas Catalyst Project initiative in the Forest District and begin the process of selecting the neighborhood that we'll support as part of DCP 2.0. 
That was another major discussion point in the meeting the other night as right. well. Um, what did you learn about this strategy, this this idea of focusing our philanthropic efforts on a on a single neighborhood? Sure. Um, as the chair of, of community investors last year? Well, the short answer is I learned a lot. Um, and back to my sabbatical comment earlier, I was not as involved in DCP 1.0 as, as I now am today. Um, extraordinary work, and I want to make a couple points about that. But I'll take even a step further back. The, the concept of making an impactful grant or a catalytical type investment goes back to Cod Warren Park. Um, we didn't deem it DCP. It wasn't neighborhood centric per se or community centric. But for those that don't know, I mean, this Trek organization committed a million dollars that effectively was the catalyst for the creation and development of what is now known as Clyde Warren Park. So you think about the transformative nature and the impact something like that park has for a city. I mean, it's a hallmark. It's where people go. I mean, it's, it's in many ways sort of a highlight of the city. We're not going to take full credit for that because there was a lot of great, really important people that leaned in there. Sure. But we were the seed money to help discover that and do the pre-development work. And if it, But for that million dollars, we may not have the park today. So the concept, I think, was born then that if we pull resources and do something more impactful at, at scale, we can do great things. Um, DCP 1.0, to get back to that specific question, uh, and I'm glad Linda shared this at the board meeting, so I'll share it here. We made an original $1 million commitment for the Forest District, and it's a broad, we don't have enough time to get into all the specifics, but ultimately we ended up doing countless projects and, and touched so many lives and will continue to. It's not audited, but we're very fairly accurate in terms of the directionality of these numbers. Our million-dollar investment has turned into what I calculated as a $21 million additional investment. Some of that was from Trek through ALC programs and other things, and some of that was third party. In fact, the majority of that was third party. So most of the listeners here are commercial real estate professionals, whether whatever they play, whatever discipline they may play in, but everyone can appreciate multiples. That's a million dollar investment that turned into a 21 multiple. You don't need an IRR calculator to figure out that was a good deal. <laughs> um, now that's just the dollars. So if you add like kind time, effort, energy with our resources and volunteers as membership, Perhaps more importantly, you add our leadership impact, because I don't think dollars aside that we would have been able to accomplish that without the leadership that's embedded in our membership and in this Trek staff. And if you think about the impact we have and leverage we have to bring other resources to bear, deal with issues with the city, all the things that it took to affect the million dollars that turned into 21, 22 million, I'm not sure another organization in the city could have pulled that off. So did we make mistakes? Assuredly. We will do better next time. And I think we've learned how to make the playbook for DCP 2.0, at least the discovery of that next opportunity, better. And that's what we're going to be exploring this year. Like many of our members who go on to become leaders within our organization, you were a member of the uh, Associate Leadership Council program. Um, and you later came back as a member of the steering committee. You didn't chair ALC, right? I did not. Okay. How would you describe the impact that that program had on your career? We're about to launch another class. Um, you know, we're about to start that cycle up again. Uh, for the listeners, when the mention of ALC came up, I was smiling. So if that is any indication of, of how I feel about that program and what it, it meant to me and what I know it's meant to many others. Um, that was very early on my career. 
I, I keep on saying 2000, but I think you corrected me. It's 2001, but it was a long time ago. Um, and as I recall saying earlier, I joined HFF, now JLL, in 1998. So it was early in my career. Um, I also made a similar comment to the LC Open House just recently we had the, the other day. It was a phenomenal experience for me. I'm not sure having that many years ago I could quantify it, but the fact that it still elicits a smile for me tells you that it was impactful to me. Um, it, it was my first glimpse into, into awareness and knowledge about the city. Back to my goal this year about education, that was in many ways my education around things in the city that I'd never been exposed to. Despite being a native Dallasite, I did a lot of things because the program was so robust. First introduction to some really impactful, interesting leaders in the industry because they were fortunate enough to pour some time into that. The camaraderie and network expansion, just being in that class with a great group of human beings um, was wonderful. And we've all gone our separate directions in many ways. And when we see each other, we still hug each other. I mean, that's the kind of thing it is. Um, what I said at having been part of the steering committee and now certainly more involved now, it's only gotten better. It has the quality of the leadership, the quality of the programming, the discipline with which they're putting these these programs together with. We've added a, a leadership training element, as, as you know and most know, which has really enhanced it. Um, you know, it, it. I believe it is the gold standard, real estate industry notwithstanding, for a young professional leadership training, especially as it relates to those that aspire to get more engaged in the city, aspire to create more impact either in the industry or philanthropically. It's just a great launch point. I loved it. Is that that, that sort of innovative nature? You know, we added the... Uh, the executive coaching, and we, we just keep building upon these elements that have been, I mean, ALC has been around, I think now 27, 28 years. Can you speak to why the program has had that kind of staying power that it's had? I mean, it's only gotten bigger and bigger among our membership. It remains one of our most popular programs. Yeah, well, when, you're, when you do something really well and you challenge yourself to make it better every year, it's sort of the cause and effect. So, I will tell you, we've had some tailwinds in the industry. I mean, Dallas as a, as a metroplex has grown and been a dramatic growth area. Commercial real estate has grown up as an industry and an asset class in that same time frame. So there's a demographic tailwind there of a lot of folks wanting to be engaged in the industry. It had a great brand, and I think the brand beget itself. So once people recognize that if I could get an ALC at track, particularly as a real estate professional, it's a great launch pad for more engagement, more leadership, more involvement. So. It's sort of like when you're doing something well and you're, you're willing to not rest on your laurels but challenge yourself to continue to make it better, this is the result. You end up becoming that standard, and I think it's no more difficult, no more simple than that. You kind of touched on this when we spoke about um, you know, member engagement, but do you have, is there any sort of stock advice that you give to young professionals sort of just starting out and navigating their real estate careers? Um. Yes. Uh, I get, as you can imagine, having now had a relatively long career in the business and, and other uh, you know, philanthropies and whatnot, you get the question all the time. And I did allude to it earlier about the fact that I believe in some level of simplicity. I think it goes back to my raise your hand concept um, and in terms of how to get involved. And I steal this tagline from from Nike, so I'm gonna probably have to give them royalties at some point in time, but it's sort of like, just just do it, right? So sure. um, I think people, young professionals especially, make it too complicated. I think they want a playbook that's tactical and that if you do this for this many hours and you do this and you call this person, do this. I think it's more simple than that. I think if you show up 
you have passion for what you do, you maintain a positive mindset, um, you're someone that people like to be around, you put yourself in a situation to be with high quality people, that's culture, and I'm thinking about companies from this perspective, it matters, you will thrive. And if you do what you say you're gonna do, build on your wins and losses, learn from your mistakes, um, get a great mentor, if you can attract and, and develop a great mentor, it's critical, then rinse and repeat. And you do that enough times, your skill level continues to expand, you know, you will be known as a player and a doer and people will come to you and your career will blossom. Now, that sounds really interesting and I get a lot of people that eye roll at me at that when, when I tell them, particularly folks that I, I give advice to, they're young professionals, it may sound easy on paper, it's really hard to execute because it takes discipline, because it takes hard work, because it takes commitment, because it takes doing things and challenging yourself at the days and the weeks that you don't want to do it. So it's all about the execution piece. The playbook's not hard. And yes, that's macro, and yes, that's 30,000 feet, and we can get into details, and that's appropriate in certain situations, but you ask a simple question, you do all that, throw it into a blender, you will succeed at anything you endeavor to pursue. Yeah, that's that's amazing advice. Uh, we we tend to repeat that question uh, to each of the leaders that we talk to, and and that's that's some incredible advice. Thank you. Uh, next month, members of our public policy committee and political action committee uh, will be heading to Austin as part of uh, the. I guess it's every couple of years. I'm not entirely sure what the word is for it, but our, our lobby day. They'll be they'll be meeting with our state reps. Mm -hmm. Um, in Austin. Um, and then later this year, we'll be vetting candidates for city council and mayor, uh, among other initiatives. What excites you about the upcoming year from a public policy perspective? Um, I, I'll admit, this is my Achilles heel in my Trek repertoire. Okay. Um, and so I'll start there by saying, I, I've never actively engaged in our PAC, which I'm, I'm doing now. So I'm coming, I'm catching up. Um, Maybe to answer your question more simply, what I'm excited about or what I'm looking forward to is the fact that we've got great people in those chairs today, and I know we have an incredible impact and influence. So I'm proud that we're part of an organization that people listen to and want to hear our opinions and our voice and where our sponsorship dollars lie. Um, our Back to earlier question about where Trek has grown and where it's progressed, I think most of our members don't truly appreciate the voice we have around public policy, particularly in the city of Dallas and extending into city to state politics then in Austin. Um, so short answer is I can't give you a tactical answer because I'm not day to day in that space. We have phenomenal people leading those initiatives for us. Uh, we've got great member engagement there and we have a real voice that has, you know, real impact. You'll hear more of my talk with Trey Morsbach in just a bit, but first I'd like to remind you to update your community hub profile. Community Hub is our new member portal, and updating your information helps us make informed decisions based on your membership, like how we navigate public policy issues. To update your profile, simply log into Community Hub on the homepage of our website and click Edit My Profile. You can also sign up for Trek committees using Community Hub. Log into your profile and select Committee Interests on the left side of the page, fill out the form, and someone from Trek will reach out to you. Again, you'll find our Community Hub login at the top of our homepage at recouncil.com. Now, let's get back to the show. So for this next section of the podcast, I'm going to pick up on one of Kim's uh, strategies for her board meetings last year. I've got a few icebreaker questions, uh, some more open-ended, not necessarily Trek-related uh, things for you. 
Um, what is, as a native Dallasite, what is the best restaurant in Dallas and what is your go-to order there? Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate you giving Kim credit because she did a phenomenal job, not only in the board meetings, but just in her day-to-day activities of making it personal and making sure we got to know each other. So Kim, if you listen, thank you. Um, that's a really tough question. And I'll give you, a, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to give you an answer. So I'll give you a political answer, which is not give you a direct answer. We're, I'm a boring, we eat out a lot. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and I have a boring uh, a group of restaurants. I eat at probably four restaurants. And if I want to order something different, I go to a different restaurant. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> That's so, a good strategy for that. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, none of the names will surprise you R&D or Shinsei and, uh, you know, Hillstone come to mind. There's a great brunch, by the way, at Jose's on uh, Lover's Lane just off of Inwood. Uh, fabulous, uh, you know, you know, weekend brunch, place we hit from time to time. Um, and I can't forget, you know, my good friends, you know, Red Washburn's Mikosina because that's our go-to for takeout probably twice a week. I hate to admit that. Um, I'm sure Ray loves it, though. Uh, Ray loves it, yeah. I still haven't gotten the Christmas card from Ray uh, as, a, as a thank you for being his number one customer. But... Uh, Look, I, we've got so many amazing restaurants, and I'm not the Epicurean. I enjoy great food. I more importantly like enjoying great food with great people. And so I've been to probably most of the best ones in Dallas, and they're just all fabulous. So a lot of great choices. Okay. Um, Kim is an avid Texas Tech football fan. We talked about it extensively in our podcast conversation last year. You mentioned being a Texas A&M family. Uh, is that your team? Are you guys, you know, on Saturdays, full blown, you know, head to toe Aggies gear? And yeah, despite the performance we put on the field last year, I am an avid Aggie fan. Um, I don't know that I rise to the ranks of Kim and her Texas Tech uh, avidness uh, in terms of fandom. But uh, look, I, I graduated from AM, met my wife at AM, both of my children are at AM. I've always been a fan when my children my son went to AM. we became season ticket holders we make most games um certainly most conference games big aggie fan so uh i've been defending our program in the last 12 months vehemently against everyone else who's poking fingers but um watch out for us in 23 i, I we got a great squad and if we could pull it all together we could be a dangerous team all right there you go bulletin board material that's it, that's it. <laughs> I've also heard that you have a passion for automobile racing, like physically racing cars. How did that get started? Tell us a bit about that. Uh, happy to. And now we're going to run into two hours of this conversation because it's <laughs> something I can go on to for, about forever. So I've mentioned that in board meetings or when fun facts and that kind of stuff come up. And it's the easiest way to describe it. But truth be told, I don't race cars. I enjoy learning how to race cars and tracking fast cars at racetracks. So you can call it track days or driver experience type situations. Um, a, a very good friend of mine and a truck member years ago, uh, and I crossed paths and re- both recognized that we were quote unquote car guys. We both enjoy cars and have cars and like to drive cars. And he introduced me to the concept that, and actually in this particular situation, it was a Porsche track experience. It's in Birmingham, Alabama. I would recommend it to anyone. It's fabulous. And you go there and, and learn how to actually get in new generation Porsche cars with race car drivers that tell you and guide you around the track. You're driving the car by yourself. You start with a lead follow scenario where you're following these professionals and teach you the track. As you progress, which I have into intermediate and advanced sort of training, you're actually leading towards getting a race license. 
So I'm actually at a point that I have an SSCA race license, not that I intend to go do that. But you get into a situation where you get open tracking and it's you against the track, it's you against the car, it's you against the clock. And it's just an unbelievable amount of fun. So I uh, would recommend it to anybody that has a little bit of an adrenaline need, but it's tracking, not racing. That's so cool. Racing, tracking, that's, that's so cool. Indeed. <laughs> uh, if you were entertaining a friend who was visiting Dallas for the first time, what would you show them? What would you go do? Where would you take them to eat? What would they have to see? Again, you know, it sort of depends on the person, right? It's just to be specific because there's so many sort of interesting nuanced things that our city offers. I think we got incredible neighborhoods. So if someone's a city person, you could show them some of our fabulous districts and neighborhoods. Um, I would tell you, I'd probably curate a day around meals. You know, what do we do in Dallas? We have some great restaurants and great experiential restaurants. Um, I don't know where lunch would be. Uh, probably include a visit of Clyde Warren, which is a pretty special thing. I'm proud of real estate. I'd probably take someone on a tour through uptown and downtown and talk about some of the things that we've delivered as this great city and our great developers and put put to work, particularly some of the adaptive reuse stuff. It's just really special stuff. Um, I'd probably, I'd, and I should have thought of this before, I'd probably end the day at Monarch uh, at the top of the national. You know, if you really want the wow experience, not only experientially, particularly with north the north-facing seats, so get, get, get on the north side of the restaurant, um, you're looking over the skyline, over all basically all that Dallas has, back up to uptown. You at right at sunset, it's a pretty special experience, not to note the fact that the food's just off the charts fabulous. So great experience, probably a good way to end the day. Um, that would otherwise have been a real estate tour, so call me a real estate junkie. One, one final one on this, on this point. Um, if you could put up a billboard on the side of a Dallas highway with anything on it, what would it say? What kind of message would you want uh, to put out there? I've never fancied myself ever entertaining doing that. So it's a good question. I, I, uh, all right, I'm going to go back to something I said uh, earlier, because this is the first thing that came to mind. And this would definitely require some royalty payments. It would be something around the lines of just do it or something around the lines of keep a great attitude or it's something around the lines of um, make it happen. Right. It, to me, you know, I believe in simplicity and I believe in impactful sort of emotionally connected statements, grab people. You know, it wouldn't be some eloquent drawn out. It would be an impactful, powerful statement that hopefully would make someone, they would either inspire someone or make someone smile or make someone think about their day and how can I make it better? Um, it goes back to the simplicity of the message. And now I'm starting to sound like Tony Robbins. So anyone that knows the old motivational guy, Tony Robbins, I'm not that, but I do believe in these things. And I think something that simple, I think may, may impact people. Finally, I've got one sort of wrap it up uh, question that I asked sure. for, uh, for everybody that comes on the show. And I certainly appreciate your time uh, joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, Trek's slogan is build the city you've imagined. And I've always thought of that as a lighthearted challenge to our members to leave a lasting impact on our industry and, and the city. Uh, what, what does that phrase mean for you? Uh, what kind of impact would you ultimately like to have uh, when all is, is said and done on your career? What kind of city do you imagine? I got to tell you, I'm going to leave it up to a lot more intelligent, well-equipped, visionary people to decide what this city is going to be. Um, 
and I'm not going to kid myself to suggest that I will have some legacy lasting impact that's going to be memorialized on some billboard or in some statue. But what I can promise and what I intend to do is try. And what I mean by that is you got to be in the game. I will continue to serve where I can add value. I'll continue to lead where I'm capable and can demonstrate value add to whatever organization that is. Um, I hope as best I'm capable to do is lead by example. Uh, if I do those things and I maybe get lucky and inspire one or two other people to do that too, then that's how you get to a great city. Because at the end of the day, a city is streets and roads and sticks and bricks. A city's people. A city's a community and a city's people. They're human beings. If you can get them going the right direction, and God knows we have enough issues, but we have unbelievable entrepreneurism, entrepreneurism here. We have unbelievable spirit and esprit de corps and just this, just a great environment. As I mentioned before, I raised my kids here. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't go anywhere else. So continue to raise my hand, continue to do what I said I'm going to do, hopefully add a little bit of impact, hopefully inspire some folks to do the same thing. And in 5, 10, 15, years, we're going to continue to be the best city in the country. Trey, thanks again for your time. This was great. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be a great year. My pleasure. Thank you. That'll do it for our show. I'd like to thank our 2023 chairman, Trey Morsback of JLL Capital Markets, for joining us to talk about the year ahead and what a year it's going to be. To get the most out of your membership this year, update your Community Hub profile and sign up for committees. We also hope to see you all at Market Matters on Wednesday, March 8th, so get your tickets now at recouncil.com backslash upcoming-events. And as always, subscribe to the show and follow us on social media. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.